0: I mean, I, I had one guy, I hadn't been out very long. I thought they stole a truck and they, uh, they, all, they both had a bunch of warrants. They were really drunk and he he wasn't going to go. And so he took out a knife and he just didn't realize I saw the knife and he hid the knife under his hand. I don't know if he's going to stab me with it or not. He-
1: this segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. It's powered by DeerCast. You're Tim Chelswick. You're Matt Drury, and you're powered by venison. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> a lot of sugar lately. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. we, we got a box of cookies yesterday in the studio. The box is practically gone there were a lot of cookies in there <laughs> well oh, did you finish it off this morning? no no
1: i didn't finish it off this morning but i took neighbor
2: s- kids several home oh okay i have kids tim did they make it home or they made it home okay.
1: surprisingly because i went to the farm yesterday and did some work up there and then uh and then headed home after that and i kept looking at it mm-hmm. in the passenger seat it's like put a seat belt around
2: <laughs> yeah you should have put it in the back seat <laughs> yeah well, I, I can say this from experience I,
1: I didn't touch it so wow yeah look
2: at you until i got home <laughs> <laughs> you want to eat with the kids? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, um, so we've got a special guest today we'll, that we'll get to in a little bit. We're going to be talking to a conservation agent, uh, agent uh, Andy Barnes. Absolutely, I'm looking so, forward to this. Yeah, it's going to be really, it's going to be a really interesting conversation because you know, as you think about law enforcement, you think about conservation agents and game wardens. Pretty much, m- probably the greater majority of people that they interact with have weapons. You yeah. just think about, like, like just the, what that does for the dynamic and everything. And so I'm curious to hear his perspective. T- tough job, certainly.
0: And,
1: and I don't think they get the credit they deserve in a lot of respects. You you always think about that the same way with police officers, I feel like. It's like you see a cop on the side of the road, it's like, Ugh, am, I, am I speeding? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, you're throwing
2: bags out the window.
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so, You know, you just... you, you I think they have a tough job, and um, I look forward to talking to Andy and just kind of hearing some of the stories he has and
2: uh, some of the war stories. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I, I I I should let folks know, I've always struggled with trying to find a way to prepare deer ribs. It seems like there's a fair amount of meat there. And I've just never been, like, I, sometimes I'll, like, go through and I'll cut out the individual slats. But there's always, like, a lot, especially late what season.
1: do you do with that? And throw it in, like, a slow cooker? Or? Exactly. That's yeah. the,
2: and I spell that Z-A-C-K-L-Y. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. All right. <laughs> Internet speak. Um, I have ground it before. Uh, but I've always, I love ribs. Like, beef ribs, pork ribs. So I threw... I, I had my buddy, I asked him to cut some chops out of a dough that I shot and gave him. And he gave me kind of like half the spine and the, the ribs all joined. So it was like... Interesting. <laughs> like <a laughs> Throw that in a slow cooker. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was pretty big. Uh, I pulled it apart and, uh, and I, I, I cut the, the back straps off of it essentially. But I still had the, the little ribs. And I, I went through and I cut them up individually and threw them in the, an air fryer. And I put some barbecue seasoning on there, and I waited to put barbecue sauce on until after the fact. I put them in for eight minutes. Wait, from being raw? Yeah. Okay. Eight minutes in an air, in an air fryer. Like, ma- magic happens when you hit the power button on those things. and uh, And they came out, like, looking toasty brown, and I hit them with some barbecue sauce. They were delicious. Even the fat, you know, like, deer fat is usually not good there was still some fat on on these they so the fat soaked up the flavor of the barbecue seasoning and the sauce and there was just enough meat on there to make it worth my while i'd sat over the i stood over the kitchen sink and just it was awesome
1: so you lost me when you said you did this at home (laughs) and you didn't do it here at the studio oh i mean you got jealous you well it made you made it sound like it wasn't that hard to do and
2: <laughs> here we don't have well, any here it, it was <laughs> i'm trying to understand tim help me understand why are we not eating this also i wasn't sure how it was going to turn out like i i was like This is kind of an experience. I've never done any kind of venison in an air fryer, and it was super simple. I kind of also question your
1: palate sometimes and wonder if Mm -hmm. we have the same level of expectations of food. (laughs) (laughs) I love venison, but, I mean, you without ever trying this and you aren't offering any or just talking about it, I have no idea. Well,
2: I mean, I can't blame you. Lunch yesterday was a can of tuna Yeah, with some torn up. Flour tortilla. I offered to crumble some of those cookies into it, though. You did, yeah. <laughs> You're helpful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Meet your macros. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's your uh, killing it in the kitchen tip for today. Now I know. Throw the venison in the air fryer. That Tim is selfish. <laughs> All right.
1: Don't touch my. Don't touch my iPad. Don't touch the soundboard. All right. We probably got to welcome some new rack pack members. If you aren't a Part of the Rack Pack, all you got to go is to Facebook, mm-hmm. search Dre Outdoors, 100% Wild Rack Pack.
2: Yep. And, and then every, every every time we do this, we always throw in one fake name. Like this right. person is not legit.
1: I saw one of the guys, the... Uh, the
2: the chi- doctor? Yeah, the doctor. Dr. LC, yeah, I think. Yeah, he jumped in the... He's uh, a legit doctor. He is. He's a doctor a, of chiropractic, I think. That's right. Yeah. So maybe you can figure out why I'm asymmetric. Mm. All right, so... New Rack Pack member, Sam Hartwick,
1: Wayne Grine. Hey, I know Wayne. Do you? Yeah. So Wayne, his nickname is Bubba. Okay. And he dated my oldest sister, Kim, like 30 years Whoa. ago. <laughs> 20, 30 years ago, yeah.
2: He could have been your brother-in-law. He used
1: to work for Mark. In Columbia, when Mad Calls was in Columbia. He was going to Mizzou, okay. and he was working for Mark Jeez. Uh, out there and was one of the first Mad Call Calls employees.
2: Wow, yeah. and he still likes us enough to listen to the show. I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so welcome aboard, Bubba. All right, Cody Thompson, Eugene Beekler, Miranda Drury, fake. That's fake news. There's no way she's following. That's my wife. There's no way she's following the Rack Pack. Did you throw that in as a fake one? Mm. Okay. Gavin Hutchinson, Michael Cook, Matt McIntosh. All right, she's the fake one. We
2: can both agree on
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, there's no way. (laughs) She's not following this. She has... No care in the world about this oh, podcast. Oh, you have a podcast at work, we, honey? What we do in general. So <laughs> That was
2: the easiest fake name you've given Boom. me so far. Nailed it. All right. I was able to pronounce it, too. <laughs> yeah, you got it. My <laughs> Uh And then over on Apple Podcasts, we got a five-star rating, which we love, by the way. It really helps us out. From Cody Sudbeck, he says, great podcast. It's a good combo of laughs and info. Definitely my favorite podcast. Ooh. That's... We're not supposed to be anyone's favorite podcast. Oh, we're
1: not your favorite podcast, but
2: uh, well, it. I mean, we'll read the rest of the review just the same. He says, "Keep up the amazing work." Hold it, hold it. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Man, all right. Cody's gonna ruin our reputation. <laughs> just share the news, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's bring on uh, Agent Andy Barnes from the Missouri Department of Conservation. Andy, thank you for hopping on with us today.
0: You bet. Thanks for having us.
2: Hey,
1: thanks for sitting through that first five minutes, too. <laughs> no,
0: that's good. Are you that's in good. the Rack Pack, Andy? <laughs> no, to be honest, I'm not. So okay, well.
2: <laughs> might have not, to join. You're not missing anything, but <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> yep, yep, that's right. So, uh, so, Andy, maybe take us back and give us a little bit of your history of how you ended up being a conservation agent.
0: Okay, well... I'm actually originally from Arkansas, so you can't dog me too much on on the hogs. But uh, <laughs> um, for me, you know, I was born and raised in Arkansas. To be honest, I probably would have been back in Arkansas, but my wife and I went to school up at MSU in Springfield, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a year ahead of her in school. So I was applying, went, was going to go back to Arkansas, but uh, they wouldn't transfer all of her credits back to Arkansas, so I ended up applying up here and uh, got in and so i ended up staying up here in missouri instead of arkansas but uh, that was a little bit about how i got started up here really it's just like anybody else's background uh, for me it's really all i knew was is to be outdoors and i want to do some type of service some type of uh, uh, law enforcement and it's really just a marriage of two of the best sides to it and so that's really what i did was pick law enforcement that was going to be uh, uh where i could serve but yet i could be outdoors when i did it so yeah, that's really why i became an agent
1: so once you become an agent i mean realistically do you get much time as far as the hunting side of things or does that kind of go out the window because that's your busiest time of year is hunting season
0: well <clears throat> i mean i i uh, Personally, I think we have a bunch of myths about what game wardens do, and and a little bit about that is is that you can never hunt and fish again, and and that's not true. I mean, it we have time off the same as everybody else. Uh, sometimes we don't take it as good as we should. That we should take that time off. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> if you look at it, really, it depends around the state. My busiest time is probably in the summertime, not in not in the fall. Why is that? Uh, the fall we have more. We have more phone calls, you know, because it's that hunting generated phone calls, night hunting, uh, even deer accident or deer car accidents and and stuff like that. So I'll have a a, probably a higher number of calls in the fall. But my enforcement is much heavier in the the summer. But I mean, I'm in southern Missouri. We have a lot of float streams, uh, a lot of fishing activity. And so uh, that that summertime activity generates way more uh, enforcement activity Mm -hmm. than deer season for me but if i was in north missouri deer season would be quite a bit heavier than me so that's that's what it is so
1: so in the summer you're talking about like the 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 streams and things that the kind of the float trips or what's famous in southern missouri i feel like and so what is it a lot of just underage drinking or i mean is a lot of fishing related i mean what what is it that you're doing on the the stream side of it
0: uh, on the stream side, wh- like you said, it, it, Southern Missouri has those clear, rocky streams, and we have a lot of float streams, what we term a float stream. And so it's, a lot of it is not necessarily fishing. They will do fishing, and we'll check some fishing stuff while we're out there. But like I said, a lot of it is, it's the young people that are just floating on the river, and, and it's recreational. Uh, and we there will be some underage drinking, uh, there's a considerable amount of drugs, uh, and just. Basically, you're kind of corralling the crowd, just keeping them, uh, making it down river to the end is really what it is.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a horrible part of the I, job, I, to I, be honest with you. I've been on a few, few float trips, and I can't imagine the kind of the unruly nature of that crowd yeah. of people by the end of the float. It's one thing in the beginning, but by the middle and end, you know, it's, I, I can't imagine how many clowns you're dealing with.
0: Yeah, you're about right. The later in the day it gets, the worse it gets. If you by about three or four o'clock in the afternoon, half of them aren't even in a boat. They're just stumbling down the river. If we'll just get to the end, we're happy. Canoe
1: upside down, (laughs) lost the cooler, no shirt, just flip-flops.
2: I I am curious, like, what's the craziest situation you've had to enforce or or come across on the river like that?
0: Boy, I don't know. There's some that I probably can't say on – on the podcast no but one's I, listening so <laughs> several there's been several on the river and it it really it just it depends on the river and it depends on the time uh the hotter it gets seems like it gets worse but uh uh the one i can remember uh we were i think it might have been memorial weekend uh which is a big weekend for us mm-hmm. and uh it ended up being all day long it was pretty busy we were uh making a lot of arrests that day and there was an agent that was working with me he's actually my supervisor now but he's about 6'4 and 240 and I'm like 5'10 and 160 so I'm quite a bit smaller than him and everybody we contacted for some reason kept saying well why can't we just swim away what if we just took off and didn't come back to the bank and he was I didn't realize it but he kept telling everybody well you see that little guy over there well he would tell him I was a track star or (laughs) all-american swimmer or something like that all day long i didn't think nothing of it but uh at the end there's a spot that it has, it's a large bluff and we'd have somebody on top of the bluff just watching the crowd floating down we'd be down at the bottom of the bluff basically shepherding them back over to us if we need to make contact with them but uh w- the amount of time that we could see them and they'd see us and we need to bring them over was fairly short well they pretty soon we had about two or three rafts load of college kids there I don't remember what they had, some dope or something, but we were dealing with them and they were mouthing us a little bit about, well, we shouldn't have even stopped. We should have just kept going. You couldn't have done anything. Uh And I heard him tell them, well, you see that guy? He's an all-American swimmer. I just tell him, go and he'll jump in. (laughs) Well, about that time, they called out three canoes that we need to talk to, They, uh, some drugs or something. Uh Well, they weren't as nice of people. Well, they made it within our view and we were waving at them to come on over they weren't coming so they put the paddles down and they started going and they used some choice words we weren't and uh so i didn't really have any options so i dove off the bluff and started oh, swimming geez. after him in uniform oh man and so i i caught the first canoe he started coming back to the bank and i got to the second canoe to be honest the guy in the back who was mailing us pretty hard he raised the paddle like he's gonna crack me with the paddle oh, and i geez. told him you know you better not, because we're going to go one way or the other. And I was able to get a whole canoe and got them to the bank. The third one, they just got away. But uh, we got them to the bank. Well, when I got there, all those college kids were like, oh, my God, I didn't, I didn't know you were serious. serious. We're not moving. We're not moving, sir. We're right here. But it was. So that was one of the ones I always remembered. That that's quite that's pretty
2: girl. funny. That's how you got the nickname Spider Monkey. <laughs> it <Shit. laughs> went after him.
1: <laughs> that's not easy that's to swim time. in f- your full gear either. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, about the only time I ever swam down a canoe. But they, uh, <laughs> I've had some foot pursuits and vehicle pursuits. Never one that I had to swim down. But that was the first one. That's a pretty good one.
2: That, that to me has got like it's just got to be so surreal to be like chasing down a person. Like we're not playing tag. I have to. Well, the surreal part
1: is the stakes that you don't know what they may do. I mean, that's a nervous, yeah. you know, feeling, I'm sure on their part, but I'm sure a little bit of adren- adrenaline takes over and their training takes over and all that. But still, I mean, you never know what the other person's going to do.
2: Yeah, the, the stakes are so high. Have, have you ever been in a situation where you've been pursuing someone and they've like they've brandished a weapon at you?
0: um not very much most of the ones that i've chased i mean they're just trying to get away i mean i've been pretty lucky i've been on foot pursuits where they brandished weapon against somebody else but Uh not not directly at me i had one actually i just got out of academy and i've been on 16 years when we came out we were basically told either you're gonna be fired or dead within the first six months i mean you basically thought well i'm only gonna last about six months at this (laughs) but It was just old school training, you know, but uh, I had a guy, he started here. (laughs) He said Mark Dury told him. (laughs) Yeah, but they, I mean, I I had one guy, I hadn't been out very long. I thought they stole a truck and they, uh, they all, they both had a bunch of warrants. They were really drunk and he, he wasn't going to go. And so he took out a knife and he just didn't realize I saw the knife and he hid the knife under his hand. I don't know if he's going to stab me with it or not he at that point he charged me and i had pulled my pistol and so i had stopped it but he uh uh, he threw the knife away he never did use it on me but uh i've been on pursuits before that they they had uh, actually with the agent to the south of me we were chasing a guy two or three years ago and he found him and i had lost him in the brush well he uh um the guy had a knife on his side, big knife, like a sheath knife. And he told him to drop that knife. The guy just had a bunch of warrants. And uh, uh, he actually opened up the bar wire fence, said, come on through the fence, but drop that knife first. He pulled the knife out and then threw it at the horror officer, missed the officer. That was a mistake because this officer, he does that jujitsu uh, like seven days a week, hits uh, the gym five days a week. He ran him down. And, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, it wasn't good. So <laughs> he he threw the knife like... Three.
2: Like like a, I'm a ninja. I'm gonna throw this at you.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, it was a big knife, but he missed him. But he, I guess, he thought he could throw him like a throwing axe or a knife, where he was gonna try to hit the officer with a it's, knife. It's like
2: but when Mister Burns goes to release the hounds and they won't come, and he's just, like Homer's just standing there. He's like any second now. Like it just didn't work.
1: Well, the thought process. You're. I mean, the type of person you're dealing with that thinks, okay, here's my shot. I'm going to take it when the, the, obviously the officer would have weapons and you know what I mean? Like just, just numbskulls. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah. Because then like, okay, so your attempt to kill me didn't work. Now we still have to communicate. I was going to say, yeah. What kind
1: of charges does the guy get then? Because it is, it wouldn't that be a, well, would that be attempted murder if he's throwing a knife at the agent?
0: Yeah, we charged with assault on the law enforcement. He uh, uh, he ended up going to prison over it, and so he He's out now. Actually, he's been stealing some cars last time I heard. But, I'm sure but he's I mean, on the like, like, catalytic
1: it. converter <laughs> ring that they just busted in Formington. <laughs> Did yep. you hear That's like a million-dollar, like a one of the biggest rings in the country.
2: caught Someone was doing that to my neighbor's truck years ago, and it, was dry. it sounded like someone was like hosing down a water, like uh, a garbage can, at 1 o'clock in the morning. And I looked out the window, and I see light and sparks coming from underneath my neighbor's truck. I called him up. I was like, are you working on your – He's like, no, I'm not. I was like, someone's. Someone under-. is. <laughs> and they were under there with a blowtorch cutting away at his catalytic converter.
1: So, Andy, when when you guys are out in the field like this, and I, I'm always curious. I, I think, you know, this is a, the number, you know, who knows what the number really is. But I would think like 99% of outdoorsmen and women are probably, all, you know, law-abiding citizens that, I I don't think intentionally are making any, um, you know, they're, they're not trying to break the rules. Right. And you, you give me a better percentage if, if that's inaccurate, but that 1% or whatever the percentage is that, that are intentionally going out there and they're breaking the rules and they're hiding things or they're doing things that they know they shouldn't be. I mean, what, you know, I, I know, in dad's area in North Missouri there there was a there was a couple it always seems like a lot of times it's it's local local people uh-huh. and it's kids a lot of times. It seems like that. I know there's a plenty of adults that are, are getting wrapped up in these things as well, but it's like when you run into a situation like that, like I'm thinking of one particular case where they killed, like they poached on on several people's property. These kids, they killed, I think, a bald eagle. I mean, they Dude. like they were shooting, they were shooting, you know, protected birds, and they were doing things that obviously they were just uh, doing shit they shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, but in general, what percentage would you say are, uh, that, that, that you issue tickets to are law abiding citizens that just messed up, like honest mistake type stuff are they're intentionally going out there knowing they're breaking the laws and they're really out there, you know, doing some bad
0: stuff. Well, <clears throat> I think you hit on, I think you're about pretty accurate. Uh, they, they track our compliance rate. Uh, but then that's, that's maybe a little bit more difficult to track because um, like you said, we're different than other law enforcement. If you're stopped by a trooper, cause you mentioned it earlier, just the sight of an officer on the side of the road will make you hit the brakes. Yeah. I do it even in my state truck. Yeah. But, but we're different than other ones. You know, you look at, at another officer, if they stopped you, you've already committed some type of violation. And so a hundred percent of their contacts are violation driven while, of ours are completely legal. They haven't done anything. We just need to stop and talk to them to see, you know, if everything's going right. So I would say 5% of them have committed a violation or 10% maybe, Mm -hmm. but even though 10% might have created or caused a violation, but there's only a small percentage of those that probably intentionally did it. Uh, Now, I wouldn't say intentionally might be a little different because what we're looking at is you know, you can unintentionally break the law by speeding, you know, cause you're just not paying attention, but can you unintentionally just not buy a permit or, or shoot the wrong animal? You know, you can forget, maybe you, you should have checked your permit before you left, something like that. And so it might be a little different, but uh, you know, out of those 10% that have a violation, we're only going to ride a very small amount of those uh, just because a lot of those are, uh, small violations, or maybe we can just educate them into not doing it again. Sure, uh, and a lot of it, it's, it's just some good person that's out there that just made a mistake and we don't need to punish them by writing them a citation. But,
1: yeah. I think, okay. uh, yeah, I, you uh, know, when we read through, uh, the guidelines each year, you know, and you look at it and there's some changes, some small changes from year to year that might happen. And I think of things that might trip people up and that cause debate among friend groups, you know, you're texting each other and you're snapping a picture of the the booklet and you're saying, well, it says this. And it's like, you know, you're trying to interpret the law yourself because it's not crystal clear. I mean, do you feel like there are sometimes in in the rule books that that's just like man there is a little gray area here mm. and whether it's by design or not it, it just it, it leaves a percentage of confusion to the hunters at home that are like, well, I want to do the right thing, but I'm not real sure what this law's saying. I think of hunter orange rules as a, as a good one and hunter orange rules during all the different seasons and the late season and the youth seasons. And I mean, my understanding of it is if there's firearms seasons happening and you're archery hunting you have to wear orange during those seasons. But I don't think it's that cut and dry necessarily. And I'm just talking about Missouri here because that's what I'm most familiar with. Can you kind of take us through that and take us through um, an individual conservation agent's understanding of that law and and that that little bit of gray area that might be there? Like, what happens when that gray area, you know, I guess, do you have to report to, to your uh, superior officer and ask him, okay, how do you... Um, define this or how does that work
0: um no uh we do a pretty good job of of trying to reevaluate the regulations every year they go through it all every year and that we'll get some of those gray areas that pop up and some of it is that breakdown between you know the protection branch trying to formulate some of these rules and having to tweak them having to fix it to close up some loophole somewhere uh, or to make it easier to understand and so we have to do that. And then it might be that breakdown between us and then going into print or, you know, it, pushing it into law that we really didn't intend for it to sound like that. Or, you know, it, it was a breakdown of communication. And we usually try to fix those, fix those uh, from year to year. But uh, as far as what you said before, we usually use a lot of discretion if it's something that we know is a gray area that usually comes from the top down they'll just say hey this is what we're seeing this is kind of our guidance this is what we're going to go with uh and so with all new laws i mean you're going to have some miscommunication and we can usually tell that in the field too even if it's an established law if you if you think the person just misunderstood it I mean, we're not going to necessarily write a citation over that. We would just explain it to them at that point. Sure, sure. Uh, but, but we don't have to, um, we really don't write very many citations. And so it, as far as that in the field, we don't normally call somebody to get somebody else's opinion. We just make the call on our own. But if it's something established, like you said, it's a gray area that has popped up. We usually have uh, some guidance that comes from up top that's going to say, hey, this is what we're going to do this year until we can get it fixed.
2: Sure. Someone asked a great question in the Missouri Conservationist, I think in the January edition, which is a great magazine. If if, if you're a resident of Missouri, you can get it for free. If you live outside the state of Missouri, you can get it for like a dollar an edition. But um, they asked a question like, what if I do late season and I shoot a buck that I think is a doe, it's already shed. It's got no antlers. It's a mature buck, so it's not a button buck. What do I do? And I was like, I, and every you know, yeah, I, good question. Yeah, and and the guidance was you you uh, tag it as a buck and you list zero points. Well,
1: here's the question: What if you have already killed your limit on bucks for the year, antlerless deer? You don't have a antler buck tag. deer. Any any yeah any deer? Yeah. Sorry, and you don't have a buck tag left, and you were out there trying to harvest your doe population i mean i i I could see where something like that would happen potentially in that scenario would you i mean obviously you i guess you would have to call the your agent would you get a ticket in that scenario because you don't actually have a tag for that for a antlered buck
0: yeah i mean if it doesn't have any antlers on it no Uh, you know like you said i mean if if you had something that popped up and you didn't you may have just made the mistake, but I mean, how would you have known? Uh, it would have been pretty tough for you to be able to see it unless it was close enough. You could see those spots on its head where yeah. the antlers had fell off or something. But, uh, no, I mean, I, that's exactly right. Just call your local agent and just say, Hey, this is what I got. What do you, what do you want me to do? And to be honest, we might have to ask. We, yeah. Cause there's a lot of times people will call me and say, hey, I'll just tell them, you know what? I'll call you back. Yeah. so, I mean, I'll either have to look it up or, you know, let's get some guidance. You didn't do anything wrong. We just need to make sure that you're tagging it the way we need to have it tagged so that it, we have it captured in our system.
1: I I got a question for you. And this, this happens from time to time. So say you shoot an animal, uh, you know, shoot a deer, you know, say on Monday and it's not an ideal hit. You track a little bit, you push the deer. So you have to wait. And all of a sudden it's the next day when you finally find them, which day when you go to tag the deer right away and you go to check it in, is it technically killed the day you recovered him or the day that you shot him?
0: Well, they, uh, and it, it's been a while since I looked at it. I think the system automatically assigned the day that you call it in okay. or check it in, but I've always told people you will, you will check it on the permit of what you essentially killed it on. So mm-hmm. th- and that we get, I probably get two or three of those every year, uh, I tell them, you know, hey, you harvested it with a rifle. It's just now back into archery season. You'll check it with your rifle tag, and because you just didn't recover it till the next day. But that's what you—the method that you had used—and so, you know, right or wrong, that's what I've always told people. Uh, and it'll—the system will take it. You can go ahead. I mean, I get people that check deer on turkey tags and and all kinds of stuff. The system will take it. And then it'll just pop up that, you know, it was tagged on the wrong tag or whatever. But uh, so that that's the only difference is, you know, you can go ahead and use the method that you uh, or the tag that you use that method for. And it's just the next day. So. Got it.
2: Sure. What are some of the common violations that you see, whether intentional or unintentional on the part of whitetail hunters?
0: Uh, a lot of it right now is going to be the most common one would probably be a permit violation, just because that uh, it's one of the ones that we can discover fairly mm-hmm. easily. Uh, we'll get a little bit of hunter orange, but most people are pretty good about wearing hunter orange. Um, and then uh, as far as the most common though, uh, it used to be landowner permits. We had some landowner stuff, but really we made some changes in the regulations and the the violation rate dramatically dropped, mm-hmm. uh, which was good. And so, uh, um, but it would probably be permits would be your number one violation, and then you get into those more serious violations like shooting from the road or spotlighting or something like that. Sure. Those probably are occurring, but whether we're catching those is a different mm-hmm. story. The permits ones are easier to track, easier to find. Yeah, the, so that, That's why I'd say it's more
2: the, uh yeah. The convenience of the app is so is so nice. Like it really it's, is. It really it, it it's nice, and and you can go back through. You can see your telecheck history. Although sometimes I get a little, a little skeeved out. Like when I'm about to go out hunting, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I could use a few more does for the freezer, and so I'll go through and buy like maybe a couple doe tags for that day, and then I kill them. I kill a couple does that night, and I'm thinking man, I wonder if anyone's like looking at this and seeing the time of when I bought these. And then I happened to check two in that night. And like, is is there like, is someone looking at me to see like, Oh, this guy's buying tags after he's killing deer. Like it just, (laughs) it just kind of freaks me. But the place I hunt is there's so many does that that's not an uncommon scenario. Well, I'm sure if you bought the tag at night. Well,
0: <laughs> that,
1: yeah. I'm sure that comes up in the system, I mean, but if you're buying them early in that the day, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm I'm sure that happens all the time where people are on their way to the hunt and they're like, "Oh crap, I forgot." Like the Missouri, that app is really convenient. It is, yeah. It's very it's a very nice tool and actually it I it gives you service in places that I'm shocked I get service to check a deer before you move it and all mm-hmm. that because it makes it so easy back in the day when you'd have to telcheck you, you, it was a, it was a whole thing to remember to call the number because you had what till like ten p.m. or whatever it was, and call the number and get your confirmation number mm-hmm. or telecheck ID and all that stuff. Now, like. It, it's still a two-step process, but you can do it all at once. Like as yeah. soon as I get on the, you know, find the deer, I do the entire process sure, so I don't forget something sure. later on. It's yeah. it's super simple. It's pretty convenient. I wish all states went to that system. Specifically Illinois, which is they don't like, have one. The, it's very difficult their system in general mm. of, ta- of getting tags, and it's not easy. But they have that draw, and you know what I mean. Missouri's over the counter, so it's a little easier. Yeah. To, to have that app, but yeah. it, it, Illinois is pretty confusing. Illinois be tripping. So
2: we just went off on a tangent here. <laughs> Sorry, I started bashing on Illinois, my home state, which makes it fair game. Yeah, there you go. I can do that. <laughs> I love the resource. You know what Beautiful I mean? State. Been, been
1: hunting there. I killed my first deer there when I was 15. <clears throat> you know, I've hunted there, but I've spent a lot of money there and not killed a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's, Donating. It's pretty costly. <laughs> but you're talking about the Missouri app. When you look through there, I got so many unchecked tags. Because I yeah. didn't kill anyone. Donation, donation, <laughs> yeah. Donation. But honestly, that is the way I look at it. I know some people scoff at the price of these things, but in Missouri, it's really $7 cheap dollar dollar tag. So when I go in, I usually buy several tags all at once, yeah, and just I'm set for the season. I don't have to worry about it. And it's honestly, I just look at it as a donation to the resource. That brings me to another topic, which I, you know, there's probably a little bit outside of of your comfort level, because I know it, it probably comes from Jefferson city, but I I feel like I know several people from within the, the industry, so to speak that give, you know, their Missouri residents and give Missouri conservation department such a hard time about how it's managing the resources and and whether it's, you know, reintroducing elk and, but yet our Turkey populations, you know, kind of waning here. And I, I feel personally like it's kind of unjust. Um, it, you know, it's like CWD gets a bad rap because there's a lot of money being spent there. Of course, the elk thing reintroduction took a lot of money. And I know, like you know, hey, there's a lot of turkey hunters, you know, oh, yeah. and and that population's not doing great. But in general, I think the the department is doing a great job of making sure we have all types of resources. To enjoy, you know, and that our woods and waters are, you know, plentiful. There's a lot of conservation ground to be able to hunt yeah. in the state of Missouri and good, good ground too. So, I mean, in your opinion, Andy, do you, what do you feel like is maybe one of the biggest misnomers about? how the department is handling a certain, you know, species or a certain, you know, whether it be CWD or elk introduction or turkey population, like how do you feel, you know, we get these, um, surveys every year and I'm sure a lot of people fill those out and turn them in. What do you guys do with that information and do you act upon it?
0: Uh, I think we certainly use all the information. They, uh, i think you're right that we get some criticism in certain categories but we're not going to be able to please everybody and i think you're right that i look at it as there's just such a wide array of species out there whether it's a game species or there's non-game animals that still have to be managed and that you still have to promote uh, habitat improvement or whatever for those species But it's not that that hook and bullet crowd. It's not that crowd that it's not a consumptive use. But do we just not spend any money on them or not work on those? So I I think that we get some rap that, you know, hey, why aren't you doing more? Like you said, the turkey population, it it's going downhill and we're seeing that it's going downhill. Lots of states are seeing that it's going downhill But I know that we're we're ramping up some studies with with turkeys right now. We're starting to put some more money into this uh, that we are already investing in. But now we're looking at different dynamics, looking at predators, how are predators influencing it? But yet, if you're going to expend all that effort like CWD, if you're expending this monumental effort into CWD or feral hogs or something, well, that's going to pull it from somewhere else. And. And I do have comments from the public at times, they'll say, hey, well, don't you think that this would be something you need to be looking into? Like one the other day at a meeting was black vultures, because black vultures will predate upon calves from time to time. It's a very small percentage, but yet it can happen. Uh, But the question I had is, is why are we not tracking the numbers of damage on black vultures? Well, we might be, you know, I'm not sure if we are or not, but we can't track everything and like you said it if we're going to spend this money on on cwd or or manpower or whatever on CWD, then it's going to pull it from somewhere else and so yeah. i think that um, if we are getting a bad rap on some of those specific species we're probably still working on them but we had to pull resources to work on something else it's not a um, never-ending amount of money or uh, or personnel but like you said those those surveys i know that they track them as agents we do surveys every year on on various species and it's the same survey every year and and the biologists are using that data to determine season length and 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 bag limits and and all of that so they're using it we just probably don't see it on the front end as much
1: that survey is lengthy (laughs) i mean did you get one this year yet it's a long i mean you better sit down and take some time it takes a long time to get all the way through that so i mean i'm sure that's that's a good thing but i often wonder if they could break that into categories or break that because there's some things that I just have no knowledge of admittedly. So, you know, it's like
2: I English language
1: very much the English language. Yes. But you know, and there's questions about it and you almost feel bad filling the survey out because you, you know, I'm not informed necessarily on every single topic. Sure. And so I hate to, for, for, something i'm putting down affect it in one way or the other and, and not the correct way mm-hmm. you know what i mean so I, I don't know just a piece of feedback on that end of it the survey's good but it may need to be broken down into sections chunks yeah chunk it out
2: so uh andy a, a question for you as it relates to like your contacts with folks in the field like if someone's maybe they're rifle hunting maybe they got a shotgun what is the what is the best way as a hunter to make your job a little easier to make that contact? Because you've got two people with firearms. And I just think like, how can we make that as as easy and safe as possible?
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and we get that quite a bit. My deal is, is just, just follow directions. And, and I see it. Sometimes people are super nervous. And I mean, they're they're giving off cues, and to me, I'll get misled. I'll be thinking something's going on here yeah. more than what's going. No, it's just they're just super nervous. And so I would say, number one is just follow directions. Uh, and so you know, a lot of our contacts, they they're not they haven't done anything wrong, and nothing's going to happen from it. Uh, but you know, if I contact you, I typically I typically will have them unload their firearm if it's something I need to check their firearm. So I'll ask them to unload it. But then I've also had them point it right at me to start unloading it. And so uh, you have to tell them, hey, you know, let's point it that direction away from us. And you just turn your back to us, go ahead and unload your gun in uh, same way. You know, I'll have them if I, for some reason, if I have to walk across the field to them, if they're deer hunting, I've had them look through their scope at me, yeah. which I really don't want to walk a hundred yards with you staring at me through a deer rifle. But, you know, it's just basic sense of, you know, let's point the muzzle in a safe direction when we're unloading or, un- or loading. And I typically prefer to get the business done ahead of time. So, you know, let's do it first. So I'll ask you to either load or unload your firearm. And and then I'll inspect your firearm, inspect your permits, uh, check any wildlife that you might have. And if that's all I'm asking, uh, we don't all need to unload our guns at the same time. And we also don't need to dump all the birds out on the ground at the same time. So uh, a lot of times if it's a 15 bird bag limit, you can just open the bag. If you only have three, I can count the three. You don't have to dump them on the ground. So just following directions. And, you know, just after we get done with the business part, we can talk all day. So that's, that's what I, what I typically
1: do. So down in the area that you're at, I, I mean, is waterfowl, is that, I mean, is, is that probably a little more predominant than say whitetails and I'm sure turkey to an extent? I mean, is water, what what would be like the busiest, you said summer was the busiest, so is that, you know, I know the streams and all that, but is there a lot of fishing and, you know, that type of stuff that you're you're having to check, you know, if they have the proper licenses and those types of things?
0: Yeah, I get a lot of fishing. I don't have a lot of waterfowl where I'm at. I just don't have enough water for it. Uh, some upland bird, turkey, deer, well, deer's a big season for me, uh, but it's just not as big as that, that spring and yeah. summertime where, uh, cause we have some lakes that are right around us, Table Rock and Stockton. And so fishing season is something that we, we spend quite a bit of time with just cause the, the amount of people that are out there. I might check a hundred fishermen in a day, but only one deer hunter mm. in a day. So I mean, sure. it's just that size. So.
2: What have been some of your favorite excuses people have given you when maybe there is a violation and they're trying to I- Skirted. My dog ate my tag. <laughs> you know, like, oh, how'd,
0: how'd that walleye jump into my bonus? You know, I don't know. They, you can usually tell pretty quick. I mean, I typically will ask, you know, do you have any fish on board? Because, you know, you'll start with, Hey, just conservation agent, just here to talk to you for a second. Do you have your permits? And you can tell about the second sentence they're probably going to have something short on board just because you can see they'll almost physically walk away from the item. Uh, It's just a psychological thing. They just want to distance them away from that live well. And so then it's kind of fun because then you just, you want to kind of prolong it a second. And then finally you're just going to say, Hey, do you have any fish on here? And then they'll just say, you can see that pot. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I've had a couple of times they'll look at it and then it goes overboard. They're like, ah, you know, oh, sorry. It, it's, so I typically just ask them, "Did you measure that?" And then they'll say, "Oh yeah." And I mean, I've had them say that, "Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's good, it's good." And it is absolute. I mean, it's four inches short. It's <laughs> not even remotely close. So, but whoops, uh, they, there's all kinds of excuses. Can't yeah. do that with a deer. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it, to to me, one of the I think it would be almost. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm over extenuating this, but like I think of people that work at the Walmart uh, customer service desk that they just get lied to all day long. Like, yeah, I bought this thirty dollar steak and I ate three quarters of it and it's not good. I want to bring it back <laughs> or like it just it would be hard, at least in my perspective, to not get jaded from from ha- from just kind of being the bs <laughs> yeah just just that being kind of the default does does that happen
0: yeah it, it does and i mean i i try not to be jaded i'm usually a pretty happy person most of the time but they um i i tell people i openly tell them you know i've done it 16 years and i check a lot of people mm-hmm. i can probably count on one hand the amount of people that just told me the truth straight up front you know if i rolled <laughs> oh, up geez. and they said yep i did it probably only happen easily less than 10 out of all of them in 16 years. But I've also told people, if you tell me the truth straight up front, I'm going to show you probably a lot more leeway than if you had to make me work for it. But oh. it is, it you get a little jaded. And and it's a natural tendency for people to, to not tell you the truth. If you ask a trooper, they'll do the same thing. If you say, hey, do you know the reason I stopped you? And they automatically look at their speedometer. But they, oh, I wasn't going that fast. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, it, it, it's just natural, natural psychology that they'll yeah. do that. And In uh, those instances, when you get pulled
1: over, you just get your license, get your insurance, just have it at the window <laughs> ready. Like, think, hey. They got a job to do. Uh I deserved this.
2: Let's not extenuate this. (laughs) Not saying I have any experience. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, you're a fast driver, sir. No. Moving along. (laughs) (laughs) We should probably help our buddy Josiah with today's question of the day.
1: All right. The question of the day is proudly brought to you by Sportsman's Channel, your home for Winchester and Drury's Natural Born and everything red, wild, and blue. Hey, guys. This is Josiah Smith. I'm from Cumberland Furnace, Tennessee.
2: I'm 14 years old, and this is my second year of hunting, and I hunt on
0: private access properties. I've got a couple places, but many, many times I've gained access to spots and lost access before the season even started. I have this one spot that gained access, and the lady ended up changing her mind because she was worried about an accident happening and her getting sued. Um, I'm just wondering if you think it's a
1: good idea if I came back this next year offering a hold harmless
0: agreement so that she would not be liable for the accident. Just <laughs> curious on your advice. I'm not really sure what to do. So thanks. It,
1: it's a good question. I don't mean to laugh. I, I'm laughing because it's like it's almost a. there will be an accident <laughs> this. so you gotta watch how you phrase that certainly yeah. but the american hunting lease association like this is what they specialize in so that's that came to mind instantly they have policies just for this that protect the landowner and uh and give them that peace of mind and I, it's funny that that's this question because yesterday i was as a the, the new property that I just purchased. And there's a piece next to it that I would like to lease mm-hmm. and they don't hunt there. And, uh, but at some point they did, there's blinds, like old handmade blinds on it. Okay. And, um, I thought to myself, you know, I wonder it's an older couple. They're 87 years old. They live here in the St. Louis area. And, uh, I thought, well, I wonder what my approach should be. Cause I don't want to scare them. And certainly at that age, I, I'm sure you, you're they're thinking like I don't want any, you know, I don't want yeah, any accidents or it. it's not worth it. So you know, it's like ah, how do you go cold turkey into that? Conversation and I was asking Mark about it, and he was like, A lot of times I just go and say, Hey, I'm your new neighbor, or it's a little different for Josiah because he's looking to, to lease a yeah, property or whatever. But in this instance, he said, Hey, I would like to look after your place for you. You know, if you ever need anything, I'm here for you, and that can be a foot in the door. So yeah. I thought that was a, a good way to look at yeah, it, certainly. Yeah, definitely.
2: And, and Josiah, it's his second year of deer hunting, he's 14 years old. He's thinking about smart kid. liability. I mean, that's awesome. First off, congratulations and welcome to the family of hunters. That's cool that you're uh, that you joined up. Um, but uh, but yeah, hopefully, like definitely check out the um, American Hus- Hunting Lease Association. I'll put the link in the show notes. But I would think if you're 14 years old and you come back to this lady with like, hey, I understand your perspective. I want to make sure that you're covered that's got to speak volumes. Like that could be the beginning of a really long-term opportunity to hunt that piece of ground. And by
1: him telling her he's willing to put in the work and if she needs help, you know, around the property or cleaning up, you know, fixing fences or whatever the case may be. I mean, that goes a long way, um, you know, for for someone being a little more comfortable with you being on their property. And Mm -hmm. it's one thing, it's hard to understand it until you own a piece of property or or own a home or own a, you know, own something where you have that, you know, innate, ownership of this object and you have a real protective nature around that object and, right. and, and properties, just a, another big, I mean, that's a very expensive notion to, you know, so it is scary mm-hmm. to ha- think about people being on there, having an accident and, and what would happen to you as the owner of the property. Right.
2: And, and right or wrong as a 14 year old, you get saddled with, well, he's a teenager. Yeah. So yeah. He's probably not responsible. Ooh, and weapons, teenagers and weapons. Smoking newbies.
1: <laughs> that's right. You yeah.
2: just never know. I think, you could be an agent. <laughs> I should be. You would be maybe a good Maybe I have been. <laughs> maybe Matt. so.
1: So Andy, how often do you run into any issues when it pertains to like trespassing, but it's a situation where they had permission at one time, they got permission 20 years ago and they just, you know, they had a note from, quit a, from, from the landowner 20 years ago that they're holding on to. And, uh, and then maybe there's a new landowner or maybe the person that, that, originally said yes 20 years ago just found out that they did it every year since and they didn't know anything about it i mean there's a lot of landowners that live in other states yeah. you know and, ha- and have a property you know that that they don't actually have eyes on every day what kind of scenarios do you run into like that
0: uh it happens all the time uh i'd say if you ask most agents that uh, trespassing complaints are one of our ones that we hate uh, we just they're a lot of times there's no good solution to it, but that yeah. happens all the time. And they'll say, yep, I have permission. You, ask, uh, you start pinning them down, when did you get permission 20 years ago? Well, it's your fault. I mean, it, just like that question you just had, uh, I mean, at 14 years old, if you know that, hey, I need to go back, rebuild those relationships, ask again, that's something we tell people, you need to get permission every year. Because, like you said, maybe the landowner changed. Uh, maybe they decide they don't want somebody out there. And so, in Missouri, uh, it, a lot of that responsibility falls on the on the landowner. Mm-hmm. If that landowner says, "Hey, I want them prosecuted," I, uh, basically we have to prosecute them. And so they uh, uh, they can take to the prosecutor themselves, or or we can do it for them. Uh, but uh, again, also a lot of landowners just want us to be a bodyguard, and most of the time we refuse to do that. We don't come out and just run people off uh, we'll help you if we need to come out, we'll come out. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I typically say, Hey, look, you know, this person didn't have permission to be here and it's gotten a lot better. Most landowners now are saying, yeah, I, I want to prosecute. And so they, um, I think they think it protects them a little bit civilly as well. But, what uh, kind
1: of burden of proof do you need to, you know, to have to, to show that this person did trespass? Because, I mean, obviously, a he said, she said isn't going to work. I wouldn't think. And, you know, they could deny it all day long. Do you need trail camera? Do you need photos, videos? Like what what kind of burden of proof do you have to have to say this person specifically was on my land?
0: Well, <clears throat> we're a little different in Missouri. For us, there's a kind of a caveat that that basically has to occur within our presence. But, you know, if they say, hey, I've got three people out here deer hunting, and then I get out there, and they've already made it out of the woods, but they're standing on the side of the road, and they say, yeah, I, I, we were here, then, then that's fine. But, yeah, you're going to have to have some type of evidence. I've had it on trail cameras or uh, a lot of those cellular cameras now. That's where, in fact, I just went to trial on one uh, last week and it was all based on the cellular cameras of hunting coons out of season. Uh, and that, I was at my house, got a text and from a guy and he said, hey, this guy's right now. And so it was 9, 9.30 at night. So thankfully it's close to my house. I was able to throw on a uniform and get there and, and caught him. He was just up the road, but uh, yeah. same deal. It, the camera's gonna place him on the property, but you're gonna need something. If it's just one person's version against the other, that's where that landowner, they can actually take it to the prosecutor themselves mm-hmm. and uh, say, hey, this is what I have. And it's up to the prosecutor whether they want to charge them with that or not. But mm-hmm. most of the time, it's occurring within our presence. We see it.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Got to catch those filthy hippies that have been camping out on uh, my bourbon. <laughs> property. Cattle yeah. ranch down yeah. there. Good luck. <laughs> Uh, squatters. <laughs> yeah, they literally had a bindle. The guy had a like a straight up out of the 1930s a hobo bindle over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Just walked right right through the bottom where the turkey's roost in the morning with his dog and his woman. <laughs> what more does he need in life? <laughs> he's, Nothing. He's, he's got it. He's all. not paying taxes. He's got he's, a dog, a woman and a bindle. <laughs> <laughs> uh probably some Meth, (laughs) but I don't judge. (laughs) Speaking of judging, let's hop over to the wildlife word segment. It is brought to you by Hunter Specialties, purpose-driven tools for serious hunters. Okay, so bucks tend to lose their antlers based on the amount of daylight they're getting in late season, which ultimately impacts their hormones, triggering the act of shedding. But there's another factor that researchers believe may actually cause a deer to shed. And that is, A, spending too much time on TikTok, Hmm. B, losing a fight to a more dominant buck, C, having a dream about losing an antler, (laughs) or D, getting startled by a clown or puppet. Well, I feel like this one's pretty easy, but we always let our guests go first, Andy.
1: Which... Which one do you think it say is? They
0: lose the fight to the buck, but I'm just going off of the other options.
1: <laughs> Tim has to do that so I can get these right.
2: <laughs> a is not real. C is not real. I, too, go with B. <laughs> but it kind of depends on what the puppet is. Mm. I mean, you think of a good like scary little puppet. Move along, Tim. Or a clown. Yeah,
0: you're, you're so clown. There, there is
2: research that shows that a, a buck's Hormones may actually change after they lose a fight to a more dominant buck. If that happens in late season, the hypothesis is that, like, let's say you and I are sparring and you beat me out. Mm-hmm. Something happens mm-hmm. in, my, in, my, uh, in my hormone, the chemicals that are coursing through my body, that causes that shed to happen Shortly but after, sometimes it's like day. public humiliation. <laughs> like, like, here's your dunce cap. Y-
1: you lost, and I'm taking <laughs> your
2: antlers. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's it, and, and, and it's crazy, but there there's more and more evidence that's showing that that is that's happening, which kind of reinforces that genetic that pecking order, I guess, like in terms of who has the better genes in that. It's interesting in that group of deer. So
1: now you know, Andy, if you didn't already. <laughs> You're welcome. Absolutely.
2: <laughs>
1: You're never going to get this hour back. I just want you to know that. <laughs> no,
2: it's been fun. Been fun. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I guess any any parting, parting words of wisdom for hunters just from a law enforcement perspective before we wrap up here?
0: Uh, not much. I mean, uh, I think personally a lot of stuff has changed. I think the – uh, a lot of the stigma and the myths have been kind of dispelled a little bit. The only thing I could say is is mainly if you have a question, uh, you know, call us or, or text us. I prefer it to be during business hours. But <laughs> here in Missouri, all of our calls come to our cell phone. So when I'm averaging 250, 300 calls a month, I don't like the call at 2 o'clock in the morning from the bar, and they're settling the bet. So <laughs> no. that that's personally it. But, I mean, honestly, yeah, no. <laughs> I live in a rural community, so – I know the vast majority of the people here in the county and most of them know i mean, they can call me or text me. I'd much rather just answer the question over the phone mm-hmm. than for us to be in a, a bad position because it people just don't realize how awkward it is that I don't wanna write them a ticket, but when you're writing your kids baseball coach <laughs> or your kids teacher or somebody from your church or something it, it kind of, it can ruin some relationships. So I'd much rather that would be my mm-hmm. advice. Just call us, just call us and ask us any question and and we'll work with you a hundred percent. And it sure beats meeting in the field. So
1: yeah, no good doubt. advice. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, we appreciate your time today. Really. Thank you very much. And uh, if anything we can do to help you out,
2: just holler.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah.
2: You need someone to run someone down, rough them up a little bit. That's ten. Just let
0: me know. <laughs> we'll get you we'll get you set up
2: yeah i want to ride along like i want to be like uh like like a deputy for a day or something we've
1: done that so we had a, a- Coondog, at one of the guys on the Dre Outdoors team, he's a, a police officer at a local municipality here for a long time. He's retired now. But we did a ride-along with him once because he was on Dream Season at mm-hmm. the time, and we wanted to document kind of what he, each person on the team did for a living. Sure. And so we got to do a ride-along with him. It was pretty, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine riding along with Kundo Yeah. It's interesting. So, oh, sweet. Anyways, oh. well, thank you very much for your service. We appreciate it. And uh, don't let people give you too much crap out there.
0: We'll try not. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank thank thanks, Andy. And everyone, thanks for
2: watching. Stay tuned next week. It's episode number 248. So if that's not a tease, I don't know
1: what is. It <laughs> just get, keeps going
2: up. <laughs> Weird that way. All right. Numbers.
1: Till next time. Bye bye. Peace out temperatures are going to be dropping perfect conditions for the skinny I gotta focus on those afternoon hunts northwest tree stand 5 p.m it's the easiest decision you'll make this season get ahead of your game with DeerCast. all right well thank you so much we really appreciate you taking the time to jump on
0: hey thanks for having us we really appreciate it it's been pretty nice it was a lot better than i thought i was I was afraid you're gonna to have to make me really reach back in my memory to come up with something.
2: What's your favorite color?. <laughs>